water, blah, 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 green economy, blah, 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 net zero by 2050, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be very, very tough, this summit. And I'm very worried because it, it might go, it might go wrong. We have a moral responsibility, even if we didn't cause it, we would have a moral responsibility to do something about thousands of men, women and children who have lost everything. COP is a massive opportunity, but it is a huge responsibility on the shoulders of world leaders. This is COPcast. Hello and welcome to the second of our special COPcasts. Uh, it's just Stephen today, I'm afraid. Uh, Kate isn't with us. And uh, we've got a couple of things coming up for you just to keep you in touch with what's happening at COP. Um, small bit of nature news to start off with, which is that on the big crane, which if you've seen any of the TV pictures uh, of the COP site, it has the big banner on it, uh, I saw three ravens. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm, I'm going to take that as a good omen. I think that feels like a good omen. Uh, anyway, today we've got two things. Uh, first up is Millie. Uh, Millie is a residential volunteer at our Forsenard Flows Reserve. If you've been across our YouTube channel, you will have seen uh, her talking about the amazing, amazing landscape up there and also the important job that it does for both nature and the climate. Now, Millie's going to be inside COP talking to people about peelings. So earlier on I caught up with her to find out how it's going. Right, you may be able to tell from the helicopters we are at COP. You know, there's all the security here, all the other stuff. There's there's cops on jet skis on the river. And I've got Millie with me. Hello, Millie. Hello. Um, and you have been into COP. What's it like in there? Yeah, it's pretty incredible to actually finally be seeing it. Um, it's a little bit overwhelming. It's nothing I've ever seen before. Um, and just, I mean, it's bustling in there. There's an energy. It's so exciting. And I presumably think... there's people from like all over the world. Yeah, yeah, completely. So you'll see people rush past, followed by, you know, their tens of assistants <laughs> <laughs> and helpers. Um, but yeah, it's very exciting. I think everyone's there with kind of an agenda, something they want to push. Um, and everyone wants it to be a great cop, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what are you, tell people a little bit about why you're there and what you're here to do. So I'm here at COP, um, mostly in my capacity as a young person who has this passion for peatlands. And so I am here because at this COP, there's going to be a lot of talk about nature-based solutions and how we can fight climate change in the future. And I think that peatlands can be a real valuable tool when it comes to fighting climate change in the future. So I am here as someone who has been working on the peatlands up in Forsenard Flows and who wants to educate people and try and talk to them about how amazing peatlands are and how they should care about them, not only for what they can do for us in terms of fighting climate change, but also in terms of what an amazing landscape they are, the wildlife that's there and 
just their integral right as yeah. a it's a thing that really place. brings it I mean we'll talk about that in a minute but it's a thing that really brings nature and the climate together isn't it yeah now, <clears throat> we should say if people want to see a bit of the places that you're talking about particularly for us in our mm-hmm. flows um, there's a couple of videos that I'll put uh, links to into the show notes uh, with you starring <laughs> with in them right <laughs> yeah. um, walking walking in the bogs but also showing people like the amazing work that's been done by RSPB Scotland to mm-hmm. restore um, the, 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 the peat bog to its pristine state because I, I think people don't realise and obviously you know right mm-hmm. but people don't realise people think trees when they think carbon right mm-hmm. maybe now they're beginning to think marine a little bit because that's had it but the, the, you know hectare for hectare right the, the job that a pristine bog can do mm-hmm. storing peat is just amazing isn't it yeah, so when you've got a healthy peat bog, it can store three times as much carbon per area as forests. And I think people just don't realise that. Peat needs to have its moment and become what people are talking about. It needs to be sexy. <laughs> I, I think, I, no, I think that's the way the, the peat it yeah. needs to have its moment. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. And, this is, and it feels like, particularly because COP is in Scotland, right, and mm-hmm. we have both an amazing amount of peatland, but also... You know, somewhere between 70 and 80% of our peatlands are degraded, which sounds like a technical term, but essentially means they're not able to do the job they need to do. So we also have this amazing opportunity to do something about it. And I, I don't know, I mean, as a young person particularly, that must really resonate with you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think for things like peatlands, where it's not necessarily my generation that has made these mistakes which have damaged the peatlands in the past, but... You know, we are the ones who are going to have to give the energy to restore these peatlands and we're the ones who are going to have to dedicate our time and commit our lives to making sure that people like policymakers follow through when they say they're going to protect the peatlands and stop you know, extracting peat or planting forestry on them. We're the ones who have to continue pushing to make sure that they do protect the peatlands and that they do do what they say they're going to do. I have every faith that you are up to that job. Right, so just thinking about the next couple of weeks, I mean, being in there, and you know, you were talking about how it's quite overwhelming at first, right, you know, and it's very big. How do you feel as an individual who's engaged with this very big thing? How will you know at the end of this couple of weeks whether you've had a positive impact or not have you thought about that yeah I think it's going to be really difficult to know I think I'm coming in with a lot of optimism which I mean I think that's me personally a lot of people have said to me that they're not as optimistic as I seem to be about COP but to be honest as long as I can reach out even to a few people and share my love of peatlands with them and make them see how important they are that'll just keep on spreading hopefully so if I can touch one person who can talk to another person maybe they know someone who's important and who's actually going to be making those decisions so for me I think even if I can just communicate to other people and engage with them and make connections then that will still be a success no matter what happens high up because then I mean obviously it'll be amazing (laughs) if we get some (laughs) proper legislation about protecting peatlands but you know that's not uh it's not in your control but no. you can't do something about it crucially yeah, yeah. Exactly. and look and you're a brilliant advocate for the police so the last thing really is like if I, I how do you feel about because i spent time with you right at, at force and our flows which this is this enormous very still 
landscape in a lot of ways. It's incredibly peaceful and it gets inside you, right? Yeah, I think it, it really does. does, you know, just the scale of it and everything. It, you couldn't get more of a contrast. No. To where we are now. How, <laughs> how does that feel being here and like you're thinking about the place that you're working in, but you're also mm-hmm. part of this busy thing? It's pretty bizarre. I think, like you said, the contrast of going from this incredible vast landscape in the middle of nowhere, you'll go out for a day's work, potentially not even see another single person, uh-huh. probably not see anyone else while you're there. Um, and it is, it's all very being in tune with nature and then you come here and it's a big bustling city, there's people everywhere. Um, so it's overwhelming and different, but I hope, you know, there's a Peatland Pavilion this year and they're trying to take part of the peatlands and bring it into COP and it's spaces like that which actually hopefully will really help people to ground themselves and see what it is they're trying to protect and what they're actually working towards. They've got a sample of peat that we took from Forsenard last week Um, so I got to see that yesterday and I was standing next to it like this is a piece of Forsenard that's right here in Glasgow at COP. (laughs) Um, So I think it's for me it's nice to see pieces of nature and they've got live trees in other parts of the pavilions and it's just trying to remember what we're here to protect and what we're actually here to do and not get carried away by everything that's going on because there's so much going on and yeah just trying to remember the purpose <laughs> it's literally being grounded it's is yeah what it is. that's anyway, exactly what well it is. listen good luck with it i hopefully we'll catch up with you a bit later on over mm-hmm. the next couple of weeks and find out how it's going and uh, yeah thanks for taking time to talk to us today yeah thank you So our friends the helicopters are still here, um, but I am also joined by Paul Walton from RSPB Scotland. Hello, Paul. Hi, Stephen. And John Martin from RSPB Northern Ireland. Hello, John. Hi, Stephen. Now, you two have been in the heart of things. Uh, what have you been doing? Uh, well, this morning it was just about queuing to get in. <laughs> <laughs> so we queued for about 90 minutes, I think. Um, and that was kind of surreal in itself, you know, just being around that many people to kind of get into a venue. Uh, so we queued, we went through security, um, we did all our checks, etc. You have to present um, a negative lateral flow, and then you have to present your badge, which gets scanned, and then at other points you might be asked for more ID. Uh, and then once we got in, it was just about kind of familiar, familiarising yourself with, with the area, which is vast. Um, there's lots of different zones, lots of confusing maps. We had to find our way to our venue where we were speaking at 2 o'clock, so we managed to do that. Uh, it, so, yeah. Is it a bit like the first day at school turned up to 11? Yeah, no, times 10. I mean, really, it, it's so confusing in there. There's about 47 different agendas, 97 different maps. None of them had what we were looking for, but we found it eventually. And um, you know how these things are, it just started to fall into place quite well actually. So we've been in the Peatland Pavilion, which is where we've been uh, talking about the importance of bogs, peat yeah, bogs. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, it's about 40, 50 years ago, people started to realize, oh, they're good for wildlife, these bogs. But then of course, RSPV stepped in, did lots of conservation work. The bogs were being ruined by commercial forestry, the rest of that, but latterly, realized they are just massively important for carbon yeah so um it's absolutely brilliant to have a bit of a focus in this huge event 
on something that is kind of RSPP heartland territory, somewhere you know is going to do loads of stuff for water, but we know also it's totally essential if we're going to keep the world to that 1.5 degrees C. Now, John, one of the interesting things that you were able to tell people about in there is, is like this wider case for peatland restoration. So a lot of our audience will be familiar with the notion of peatland restoration being something that will deliver benefits in terms of carbon and benefits in terms of wildlife, but it can go a lot further than that, right? Yeah, so there's been a lot of research done um, in the past five to ten years or even beyond uh, about the importance of peatlands, um, their cultural value, um, you know, their value to society. I was on the verge of quoting Heaney, but I, I held I back. Can, listen, uh, <laughs> this podcast is a Seamus Heaney-friendly yeah, zone. You well, can do that good, if you like. Good, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, he talks about his poem, Digging, you know, and he talks about the wet slap um, of peatland um, as his father was cutting turf, you know, um, when and he said, you know, I'm not going to dig. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to dig with this pen in my yeah. hand. You know. So I think that poem for me is about kind of cultural change and about you know what one generation was doing and now what what the next generation was doing. And I suppose from our point of view to kind of make the point, um, you know, we're looking at peatlands now in terms of their economic value um, and their cultural value and their environmental value. We'd done some research. Um, in Northern Ireland on the Garan Plateau and the economic value of that and it basically showed that for every one pound you spent delivered um, almost four pounds back in terms of um, environmental value. So it showed that for money spent restoring peatland is going to pay back in the long term as well as that as its important role of carbon sequestration and a range of other things. So you know it's it's from our point of view and of course we would say, say this but we are trying to make the case that it's an absolute no-brainer to invest in peatland restoration throughout the UK and Ireland. Because one of the things I I feel quite strongly, Paul, like, is, is with COP here, uh, together with some other things that are happening, it does definitely feel, and I don't think this is just because I'm working for SBB Scotland, right, and um, that, that, that Pete's moment has come, you know, you know that, 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 that it, this really is something where a lot of things are coming together at one time, and there's a massive opportunity. Yeah, it's, be, it's really beginning to feel like that, because... When you restore a peat bog that has been ploughed and planted, say, with commercial forestry, you actually make carbon gains, measurable carbon gains. And you've got to remember, the carbon gains in the soil, there's three times as much carbon in the soil as there is in the atmosphere. Yeah. So how we manage our soils is, is really critical, and people are beginning to realise that the number one priority in managing soils globally is to restore our peatlands. Now, peatlands extend over an area, you know, almost the size of Brazil, around the world. They're in Southeast Asia, they're in rainforest and other areas like that. But we do have a unique sort of contribution to the world by restoring our blanket bogs in in, in Scotland. And I think it, it is really, really important. And uh, as Robert Burns said, <laughs> man's dominion has broken nature's social union and we need to put it out. All right, I don't know. So, so you brought Heaney to the table. I'm going to get Burns in. Right, to be okay. honest with you, I, I kind of love Heaney myself. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, don't make, don't make me pick. Um, so, not to be negative, right, but what are what are the barriers do you think to to realising the potential of this? What are the problems that we need to overcome? I think the big uh, barrier is uh, long-term finance. So um, Paul was showing some slides as part of his talk uh, about um, peatland in the soil and um, over time, um, our carbon in the soil, sorry, and over time, you know, how it gets more. Um, and it's, you know, it is a long time to 
restore peatland. Um, so it requires long-term investment and a lot of the time uh, government make decisions on electoral cycles um, and they choose to invest for a certain amount of time. A new government comes in, the money goes. So I suppose it's getting that long-term multi-annual finance in place to ensure that restoration can continue, not for 10 years, not for 20 years, but 20, 30, 40 years plus. Yeah, because these are literally generational propositions, aren't they? I mean, yeah. they're like, I mean, I was lucky enough to go to Forstnard a couple of times like, uh, this year, and you're talking about a 50, 60, 70 it's year take, time it's scale. It's going to take 50 years yeah. to make a difference, but... Even after 17 years, we know that's when the carbon sort of flips and it starts out rather than emitting carbon, a damaged bog, 70 years after restoration, the carbon starts to be sequestered again. So we, we have science that shows that it actually works. And one of the things that in there, I mean, I don't think anyone really is uh, blind to the just the utterly terrifying nature of the scale of the challenge that's being faced. But there's a there is a sense of optimism, and I think that is really important. I was quite surprised, actually. There's a there's a, this sense of optimism around that meeting and all these thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and uh, you know that that surprised me and it really pleased me actually because yeah, yeah. it doesn't actually feel hopeless. Because because I think one of the things that I know it's early doors for COP, but like it's, oh, yeah. it's day two, right? So let's let's not rush to judgment, but. It does feel that the fact it's here, right, it's in Scotland, we're at the moment we're at in terms of what we want to do about the climate. People are beginning to understand the relationship better. I think in the general public, right, between nature and climate, right, and how those two things go together. And and this issue brings all of those together in a way that's, like, really easy to grasp. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I, I've been speaking to you know colleagues in RSPB who've been at dozens of cops. You know what I mean, yeah. and uh, and even some of the big ones like this one, and uh, they're saying nature has never figured as highly anything like as highly as it is in this one, yeah. and that's got to be that's got to be progress. You yeah. know? I think this is you know this should be seen as a stepping stone for um, CBD next year um, on the Convention on Biological Diversity, which is going to be in China. So I think um, this needs to be, uh, you know, significant progress needs to be made here for them to make more progress because we can't get to another the end of another decade for there to be no progress in biodiversity. You know, I'm getting fed up of hearing reporting around, um, you know, we haven't stopped the decline in biodiversity after decades. You know, why is that happening? It's because we're not committed to yeah. it as, as much as we should be. So, you know, this should be seen as a stepping stone to, to what comes next next year. Yeah, it's... it's it's all quite long term because <laughs> because that's the, I mean just to, just the last thing probably it's that balance isn't it between problems that are that need generational long term solutions but also trying to get people to grasp the immediate urgency and that those are quite difficult things yeah, to put together in yeah. some ways yeah definitely and I think um, the, the economic value around that, those sorts of things I think really helps kind of people see okay right well this produces jobs for now you know it produces biodiversity you know in the long term but also for now you know some of our uh, research in the in Garan showed you know a difference in terms of the recoverable status of the habitat within six years you know so Paul had talked about 17 years six years you know I think that constant reporting and monitoring is something that's really important and something that we're always pushing governments to do more of um, in terms of all of our policy asks so I think that monitoring and kind of keeping that in the public kind of discourse I think is, is part of our role which is really important and we're not done right there's a lot more to say about Pete just at this 
at this conference. There's right? a huge amount more to be said about it. 80% of the peatlands in Scotland, which is relatively good, 80% of them are degraded yeah. right now. We've got a commitment £250 million for the Scottish Government. It's, it's a start, right? It's a start. But there's a huge, huge way to go. But all of the chat in there is about scaling up. How do we scale up? How do we finance a real-life scale-up? And so it, it, it feels there's a sense of kind of realism as well as optimism. And, I, you know, that's, that's got, it's got to be good. Well, I think people can rest assured that you guys and lots of other people from RSPB and lots of other people from partner organisations will be making that point very forcefully yeah. over the next two weeks in there. So, um, But listen, thank you for taking the time out and braving the helicopters to chat. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> thank you. All right, well, that is your lot. We will be back throughout COP bring you more of these podcasts so make sure that you keep your eye on the feed that you subscribe wherever it is that you get podcasts and also please leave a review because it helps other people find us in the podcast jungle anyway that is it for today i'm away back inside to warm up because to be honest the Clyde is a pretty breezy place today but thanks for your time and hopefully uh, you'll be hearing from us again later this week thanks bye